Self-worth is the unlock. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. I put myself out there to be criticized. I put myself out there to be judged. I put myself out there more importantly because people like me showed up when I needed help. And now it's my turn to return the favor to help those people that don't have anybody else. And if it helps one person, more than worth all of the hate and struggle that social media gives me. Welcome to the Self-Care Savage Podcast. A self-care savage is a term that I've coined that combines elements of self-care in a more assertive and bold approach to taking care of oneself and growing their self-worth. On the Self-Care Savage podcast, we will explore how self-care and self-worth are always in the driver's seat in all parts of our lives and how we act and react to life. If you haven't already, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. And take a quick second to give the podcast a rating and a review. That's how we grow and reach more people to spread the message. Okay, so I'm I'm really excited to have Kelsey Sharon on our podcast today. And I was on hers a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I've been following her uh, a little bit. And she's an amazing storyteller, and she's got a great story. And so... Kelsey, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. I know the first moment we met, I just absolutely fell in love with your soul and your energy. And so when I got that email when I was on the plane, it was it was like serendipity because I had just booked you. And then a couple of days later, I got this really awesome email. And so I was super excited. So it's an honor to be here. Thank you for having me. Nice. Thank you. Well, again, thanks for being here. So Here's what I would like to do for our listeners um, and our people watching um, is to kind of get a maybe a little bit of history on you. Okay. Just, you know, a little bit about where you're from and, you know, you know what you were like as a kid and kind of how you grew up. And then, you know, I, I know you uh, leading up maybe till you went into the military, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was um, a wild kid, as most kids were around my that are around my age now. I mean, we had that that type of parent that let you go play in the woods and I'll see you at, you know, when the sun goes down, which was kind of beautiful. I grew up in a, that sweet spot of time. And um, I grew up in a small town. Parents, both are long haul truck drivers and are hardworking individuals. I grew up on 17 acres of woods where we split and chopped wood to heat the house and we sold it and all of that. And um, I had this really beautiful relationship as a child in sports. And that was something for me that cultivated and created not only community, but really created uh, a sense of self, a sense of self-worth, a sense of care. And that started for me at the age of four. I started fighting uh, in Taekwondo at the age of four. 
as well as soccer, but kind of bled more into Taekwondo and stayed in that. And I had a really good childhood. I had one of those ones where you look back and you go, I can't really think of too many things that went wrong. Obviously, as an adult now and starting to understand a little bit of psychology, I'm like, oh, that was not okay. Oh, that was not okay. (laughs) But you do the best with what you have. And at the time, you know, fortunately, I wasn't being hit and I wasn't being, you know, beat. So it it wasn't that bad. And so I was a very lucky individual. I grew up with one younger brother. My dad was on the road most of my life. You know, every two weeks he'd be home kind of situation. And so my mom was left to handle everything, which was a big stressor and a lot, but she did the best she could with us. And I think we turned out okay so far. Sports, like I said, was my life. I threw myself into sports in the most aggressive manner you can imagine. By 11, I was a national champion and a second uh, first degree black belt. And by I think 12 or 13, I got my second degree and I put everything I had into that sport. I end up having to take a pause in my fighting career just because of a coach's bad decision who ultimately changed everyone around him his their like their life he he made a bad decision he uh went to prison for sexual assault against one of my my teammates my younger teammates and um she she's doing great now and he's out of jail as far as i'm aware <laughs> and so I stopped fighting. I lost faith in in trust in those around me. And I became a very angry individual, somebody that trusts anybody that was angry and fearful of not only the world, but of those that were closest to me who were meant to look after me. And it really changed my perspective on the world quite quickly in a time where perspective was everything, you know, that young adolescent point. So for me, once I got into high school, I been bullied in elementary school. I was getting bullied in high school. And people say, well, you know, there's bullying and then there's bullying. Well, I was like beating the shit out of people, kind of bullying. Like we were putting heads in lockers situation because it wasn't just words. This was, there was physical altercations happening on an ongoing basis. And a girlfriend of mine suggested rugby, you know, let's get some of that aggression out. So I joined a rugby team and I became a decent, pretty good player. I wasn't too bad. And I played that for most of my high school life. And the reason I I bring these these sports and these moments up is because these were all learning moments and moments in my life that helped shape me into the person that I was. These weren't just activities I did. When I went all in on a sport, I went all in on it. My brain was there. My, you know, everything I thought about the way I ate, the way I slept, what I did, whether I went to a party or not was dictated on whether or not I was going into a sport, uh, whether I would participate that day, if I slept good enough, these things really mattered to me. I had the Olympic goal for Taekwondo. I ultimately didn't get to that point. I got quite high, but not as high as I wanted to be. I got to the international level of rugby, but again, not quite as high as I wanted to be without having the grades to go to university for it. So I did the best with what I could at the time. And all of those shaped me either as a leader or learned how to be a better leader or learned where my faults were or learned where I could be stronger or learned how to be a better team player, which then ultimately, once I went into college at 17, I quite abruptly, I was there for, I think, two months. And then I realized uh, right away that I, that was not, I was not meant to be in college. I was not a college student. I wasn't a college athlete. It was just, was not my fit. And I, I ended up joining the Canadian Armed Forces in 2007, 
the end of 2007, I was sworn in almost right away and went into basic training within like a couple months of joining. And, you know, it being September 11th today is uh, ironic timing for me to tell this story because I was 11 years old when the towers were hit. And I remember watching them on the TV with my mom in the basement. It was like a moment, like everyone has that moment where they're like, where were you on 9-11? It's just kind of one of those things. And I remember it very vividly because my dad was not far from New York City. He was on his way in, in the truck. And I remember my mom waiting for my dad to call on the payphone to say, hey, I'm okay. You don't realize the things that happen in your life until, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, where you can plot dots on a chart and go, okay, my life started because of this. I did this because of this. This was a catalyst point. Well, 9-11, like a million Americans I know, a million people that I know have served or family members that were there or people that just worked in the, in the type of commerce that involved around, you know, things around 9-11. Every single person has a story and 9-11, I didn't realize would shape my life, but you know, six years later, seven years later, I, I joined the military to go fight in a war that started, you know, and so looking at today as that moment, it's a, it's a really interesting time to actually kind of tell this story and talk about it. But it, it was a profound impact on my life. Like it was to so many people around the world, me being Canadian, it, we're right above you. It affected us. It affected everyone in the world. And we need to remember that, that this was a moment. And so I look back at my life and realize that I, I just didn't know what that was going to be. And unfortunately, the towers being hit was the, the jumping point for a lot of our lives, uh, for a significant amount of my generation's life. So I joined the military and that's where we got to. And, and uh, off we went. Yeah, that's amazing. And yeah, I, I mean, I can imagine... Uh you know, what your life was like. I can kind of see it. That's why I love <laughs> listening to you. It's, it's, it's very vivid. And, and so with the military and all that, so you, you kind of developed a lot of the leadership skills before you even got in there. Without, yeah, I, I would say without even realizing it. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying I'm a perfect leader and I know everything in that aspect. I mean, sometimes I sit down and talk to friends that I know that are the truest leaders that you'll ever meet. And I go, Oh my gosh, I wouldn't even have thought of that. That was a, like, that was so smart. That was so brilliant. But I, I was set up as a leader because I was in an individual sport where I had no one to rely on, but myself. And then when I went into team sports, I knew how to raw, raw, rile someone up, which means I could do it to a team. I could lead a team to success. Most of the time at that age though, whether I want to admit it outwardly or not, I was a control freak because I wanted to win and I didn't know how to work in a team setting very well because teams let me down, right? You got to remember my coach let me down, my team, my network let me down. So how could I then trust this team to do what I needed them to do? And so I probably wasn't a great young leader in that age, but going into the service, I really learned what it meant to be a bad leader and what it meant to be a good leader. Yeah, I think what's really important with leaders and something I really preach, you know, you have to lead by example. And, you know, one of my tag things that I say after most of my posts I put up are, you know, lead by example or just get out of the way mm -hmm. because it doesn't nobody's nobody there's so everybody's just watching them. Mm -hmm. And and that's a good thing. And and it it used to be uh leaders could tell a lot of stories, but nothing could, you know, you couldn't verify them or not verify them or things like that. So there was just a lot of listening. Now you can 
so many leaders hang their hats on things that happen day uh, uh, days gone by, mm-hmm. and it's usually about them. They just don't say it, but if you read through it, you can hear it's just that, that whatever that accomplishment was was on the back of others. Mm-hmm. But they don't recognize them. They don't talk about that. There's very few that that have that presence, and that's because there's very few that are real. I'm, you know, I'm glad you call it out because not, here's the thing. I um, I don't, I don't know if it's just not well received by a woman, or if it's just not well received by many. But I've had there was a post I did probably two years ago now, and I remember it so vividly. And the reason I remember it is because I had one of my books here, and I used it as an example, and I used it as a pyramid example. And I was like this, and I was like, "Do you see the top of this? There are some." Sh- people up there who say they're leaders and that's a hard topic because people don't want to be confronted with the idea of what it means to be a leader nor do they want to be confronted what it means to make a leader because not everybody can be a leader you have to have had that stereotypical you know that thing that makes diamonds that hard stuff that real stuff and if you don't have that you can still lead you can still be leading a sales team and you can still lead a you know, a leadership team and all of that. But there is that grit about you that is missing that part that people don't get when you don't have the person who was like, for the past decade and a half, I wanted to kill myself every day. And every day I had to fight with myself to get out of bed. Like, if you haven't had that struggle because of uh, life, because of your career, because of what you chose to do after a post career, like, If you just sat down and was like, I'm going to be a leader and I'm going to start writing books now. It's like, okay, that's super good. And I'm good for you for getting out there and trying because nobody doing more than you will ever, ever, ever on you ever. No one doing more than you. It's always the people below you. And so as long as you're trying, I believe that's fantastic. Now, when it comes to you taking money from people or being a leader or a coach or something along those lines, and you really haven't walked through it, I don't believe you. And fraudulent and nobody wants to say that because there's a million like I'm an integration coach there's a million of us there's a million people who talk about motivation and mindset and psychedelics integration and all of the mental health aspects but I've been here doing this for a decade don't go there with me I like you know this I have these things in my life you know that I I stand really true to and I'm I'm quite aggressive about and and that is simple things like suicide prevention month is September it's right now Yesterday was Suicide Prevention Day. Suicide Prevention Month and Day are not months and days to me. They are 365, 24-7, trying to keep my community alive. They are not an Instagram post. They are not a social media topic. This is my every day, and all I do is answer the phone. So when I hear these things being used, I look back at who's doing it and why they're doing it, and then I go, what are you trying to accomplish? Because... You can be a leader in a lot of different things, but there's a motivation behind everything and why you do everything. And my main living motivation has been the same since the second I started, whether it was leading, posting, putting advice out, or having a show. Take the word leadership out of it. Just putting myself out there in a way that could be judged. It's always been the same. Keep my friends alive and I'm happy. I need no more people to die. This is not a difficult conversation. I need you to stay with me. I need you to know that you matter. And I need you to know that you can do this too. And you know how I know you can do it? Because if a five foot, 110 pound loudmouth can do it and literally have no help all the way through it, 
until the very end, I promise you there's ways you can do this. It's just really, really, really hard and you have to be willing to do the work. So leadership's a funny one, especially on social media. And that's how I met you though, right? I told you this on your, on our episode together. It comes out in two weeks. I love it so much. It's one of my favorites. I I sat back and listened to our episode and I realized, you know, and I told you this, there's moments in time where you are impacted by others. And a lot of times it's social media, right? I I had this group call last night. Here's a great example. Had this group call last night. So I, I'm a I'm an integration coach, but I have a coaching group, right? It's called the Brass and Unity Army. And you can get on there through Patreon. But we've been using it now since we do Mental Health Mondays. Like today at 945, every Monday, we do Mental Health Monday on our social media. And you can come join and be a part of this community. And I remember I was sending people in our group your stuff way back when our group first started. And I got talking about that. And I kept saying, like, look, you can look to social media. Because one of the husbands was like, my wife won't take vitamin D unless she sees an influencer talking about it. And I said, I understand that. I fully get it. Because if you're at the point in your life where you're not willing to listen to a spouse or those around you, but for some reason, something on social media hits right. And that's the click point and that's the turning point. Okay, then lean in, watch more, see what's going on there. And that you were a big part of that. Remember, I like I told you, I saw you and I was like, you showed up right at the right moment for me, just randomly on social media. Why didn't we didn't have anybody in common? And it just clicked. You just showed up. And I'm not a woo, I'm not a god, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I'm a I'm a divine intervention. I'm a universe. I'm a things talk. They show up when they're supposed to person. You showed up at the right time for me. And then I watched the growth of you and I watched what you did and I watched how true to what you said you were. You could see it in the way your eyes changed, the way you moved your body, the way your face was, the confidence build as you started to feel better in the things you were saying and the more belief you had in the things you were saying. It was the tone in which you said them. So leadership is not just about, you know, doing the thing quietly. It's when you're doing the thing, it's the confidence that shows up behind it. No one's going to believe you if you don't believe yourself. And that comes from doing the work and saying and doing what you say you're going to do. So leadership is a funny one for me <laughs> in my small rant. I told you, Scott, I do them too. It's, uh, <laughs> it just, it's an interesting one because everybody wants to be a leader, but not everyone's cut out for it. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you can get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash SelfCareSavage. That's Better, H-E-L-P dot com slash SelfCareSavage.
Yeah, and and yeah, and, and your answer great. Just just like uh, I mean, I love listening to him. I, I, I just do. I mean, it's very it's very rare that I'm quiet uh, so long. But when I'm when I do have an interest and I feel like somebody's you know, it's, it you know, it, I'm getting something from it. I'm I, I I'm going to be quiet. But so a couple of things. Um, first of all, thank you for saying all that. I it's amazing. But you 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 talked about the whole delivery from your perspective of things as a woman, and we talked a little bit about on that on your podcast. And again, I have I have I have just this is this perfect example growing up of what that was like up until the age I am now. It's not it nothing's changed. There's a lot of things that are better. There's but things there's a lot of things that are still the same, and it is you know. Your lead, most of the leaders in the world are men. Yeah. Uh, a lot of them are getting really, really old and, you know, um, I'm banking on it, Scott. That, yeah. That's not a, uh, not, I'm not pushing anybody over the edge, but there has to be room made for some of these things. But the people that are going to hold on to it, as we can see <laughs> with our leaders, it's crazy, but we won't get into that. Uh, but I just wanted, it's not, it's a validation, but also I want you to know, I watched my mom push through all that and she, and listening to the things she said, you know, my mom, not only being a therapist, she was, <laughs> she was very much into, you know, the astrology signs, the, the, she was very much into, uh, you know, she read, she always read my palm tarot cards. She was, she went and saw psychics. Yeah, she got that she was, in her, huh? He was, yes, she had, a, she did it. She went through all that. But, but my point is she had a voice and she never, she, she was never quiet about it. And with social media and things like that, those are what make it better because men or whoever cannot point at you and go, well, she's full of. I'd like to see him try. I mean, they've tried. They, they used to, <laughs> well, they try, but you know, you, it's, 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 very, it's futile, right? Or, you know, it doesn't, it's only, it's the only people listening are their people or somebody mm -hmm. that, you know, is not listening or looking anywhere else. And that's not your, that's not anybody's going to listen anyways. And that's what leaders do. They show up every day. And even the best leaders now are vulnerable leaders. Mm -hmm. uh, again, empathetic leaders, leaders that have compassion, you know, Look, you know, that's, that's who I'm walking down the alley with. Mm -hmm. That's what, when I got to walk down a dark alley, you know, it's not just to follow them for that reason, but they're also, they're just going to be there. You know, they're not going to run off. You know, they're mm -hmm. not, they're just going to stand tall. And that's what a leader does is not only bring, put their hand back and bring you up. They're behind you. They got your back. How great is that? It, it's it's the best. It's a good feeling when people feel confident around you because when you're having those moments where you don't necessarily feel confident in yourself, and that could be for any multitude of reasons, whether you're exhausted or something had happened or just something set you off and you just didn't feel maybe 100% on your game. In those moments when somebody looks at you and you can see that they have trust in you and belief in you and what you're saying and they're holding on to every word because they need support in some way, shape or form, it's a powerful moment. It, it uplifts you. It's like, okay, you know what? They believe in me for a reason. And I know that, you know, I told my, my group last night, we were having this call and uh, we issue challenges every month because I like to 
really try to push people outside their comfort zone because that's really where growth lies. And every, everyone, if they've listened to your show or listened to you, they know that, right? Nothing worth doing is ever easy and nothing worth- Do hard stuff. Ever, ever, every day, as, as much as you can for 30 minutes a day at a minimum, do something difficult. Um, and and that, I don't even mean physically. I mean, movement, of course, 30 minutes a minimum of every day, but I mean, do something difficult, learn a new language, read a book you never would have read before. Maybe one you need to use a dictionary every two seconds for. Like do something hard that is hard for you. And I was saying to the group, look, um, you know, I did this bike ride yesterday and I got to kilometer 80 and I wanted to absolutely die. And it wasn't because it was the distance, it was because it was the elevation and my TBI kicked on and I had nothing left to give and I had another 40 to go. And I knew, that if I stopped, I would hate myself. And I mean, I would have berated myself to the point of just into the ground. And I couldn't allow that. And I couldn't allow saying, I'm doing these things. I'm showing up in these places. I'm putting my effort in. And then just to quit, just because it got hard. So instead, I just started arguing with the voice in my head. And I, people must thought I was crazy. They're riding by me or going near me. And I'm just cussing myself out. We're not doing this today. No, we are not doing this today. And I got myself to the point where eventually the voice shut off and then I finished that last 20K and I got it through. But the point is, is these moments are the moments that make you. These are the moments that decide if you really are who you say you are. And this could be in any aspect of your life. It could be finishing a project at school. It could be showing up on time when you said you would. It could be you know, being that parent for the kid, even though you're too tired. These are the moments that you get to choose and decide in your life. Am I going to be so-and-so or am I going to be exactly who the hell I said I was? And so you have to decide. No one's going to do it for you. No one's going to make that decision for you. You have to live with that decision at the end of the day. No one else. That's why I love individual sports <laughs> because it works so well for me. No, and and you just made some great key points around what as hard as it is, is 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 kicking your ass on that bike and just putting your body to the test and everything's gone and you're and it's uh one of the things i picked up from i love uh that got my mind working in a different way too was was with david goggins with the with the 40 percent rule he put out i'm not sure do you remember that or yeah. if you've read that but it's you know whenever you whenever you think you're done you just, there's just nothing else there. That's your mind. Mm -hmm. Your body has 40% more. So get after it. And then you hear that, get after it, get after it. But those are, what a, that is to me, what I would love people to get to. Mm. That is to me the most amazing place to feel, just to feel yourself crushed. It's the best. Mentally, physically, I've done that at <laughs> hiking all kinds of things, and then keep going. It's a, uh, it's what it changes everything. It it changes everything. It quite literally takes your paradigm and where you live and that vibration, and it it goes okay. And this is the moment where you where it will change, and people will go like, "How do you raise your vibration, or how do you level up, or how do you get to the next step?" It's not by posting more content. It's not by reposting more and more motivation stuff you've seen from people. It's by when you're at that point in your life and that moment hits you, 
that's your decision point where you want to level up, where your body gives out and your mind gives out. You either say, yes, I'm going to do this too bad. I don't care. I'll deal with the pain later. Click, boom. That's where you hit that next level. If you don't, you not only stay where you were, you click down a notch because you gave into that body. It's like giving into a toddler. You have children, so you get this. Mine's seven. He's a psychopath. He's on a rampage lately, I'm telling you. And I literally said to him the other day, he's like, mommy, he was like at a birthday party. Like, okay. <laughs> and he was going hard in the paint and he scraped his leg and he comes over, I want to go home. And I looked at him and I said, do you actually want to go home or do you want to keep doing what you're doing? He looked at me and I said, this is your moment. And he goes, I want to stay. And I said, there we go. Because it doesn't matter what you're doing. You don't have to become a road bike racer. You don't have to become an ultra marathon runner. You don't have to become this crazy bow hunter or this whatever. These moments happen on a daily basis. Here's a great example. I love this one. You're going to love it, Scott, because you're starting to travel a lot more because you're a big deal now. And so here's what happens. You get to the airport. You're going to be faced with these moments in everyday life. So in those moments, here's a great one. And people are like, these moments need to happen in fitness and that. They don't. These happen on a daily basis. You walk into the airport. Are you stairs or are you escalator? Mm -hmm. You damn well better be stairs, son. If you're in my circle, you're stairs. I don't care about your bag. You're stairs. You know why you're stairs? Yeah, I don't remember the last time I've been in an elevator. Air yeah, exactly. So that's my point is we are faced with incremental small things. And people go, but Kelsey, how is taking the stairs over an escalator or an elevator going to help you? If you're in a wheelchair, I'm not expecting you to take the stairs. Chill out. Relax about it. I'm saying if you're an able-bodied human and you have the option to take stairs or an escalator, you always, always, always take the stairs because it is telling your body small doses of suck, little bits of adversity. These are the way you grow. I didn't want to take the stairs at four in the morning after a, after a layover. Well, too bad. You do it because you know that you should. Not because it's easy, but because you know for a fact, in the back of your mind, you've been sitting on a plane or you just drove there in a car, you should move now. So these are like the small changes, the small little things that you can look for in your life. And I said that again during the gratitude challenge we had this month. It was breath work in the morning, five minutes of breath work in the morning. And then I want you to answer a couple of questions of gratitude because people have forgotten how to have gratitude for things or feel grateful when they're in pain or when they suck or when they're faced with something or a, a difficult boss. So it's easy to have gratitude when you wake up and you go, I'm grateful for my family, I'm grateful for my health, and I'm grateful for my home. And that's okay. That's fantastic. But I need you to be grateful and work hard in those moments when you don't want to be grateful. So if that boss is being a terrible boss, you need to take that opportunity and go, I'm grateful for that boss doing this wrong because it gave me the opportunity to learn how not to do it. You can choose these moments in your life. You can choose these moments. You just have to start open your, opening your eyes, take those sunglasses off and go, oh yeah, there's all these moments around me every minute of every day. You don't need to go to war. You don't need to become an athlete. You don't need to do them. They're just in your face every day. You choose though. Those are the growth points. Yeah, and that's a, getting to social media again. We're, I'm going to ask you a question on the social media here in a minute, but it's just like with social media. It's it's when everybody's looking, when everybody's watching, whenever you're producing something, you know, it's really, really easy to level up at that time. 
it's actually a friendly reminder I was going through yesterday when I was looking through some old stuff. Who you are when no one is looking is who you are. And you, it, there's no turning it on and off. It's you're either living that way when nobody, again, when nobody's looking or not, or that's all the things that, that you, you talk about and, and you, you present and, and you are very fiery. That's <laughs> why I it. think that, well, no, I think. <laughs> so this gets back to, uh, so let, let's shift gears for a minute. Okay. Cause I, I just love what happened just there, but I, I got to get, I want to get a couple other okay. things. So. This is basically the question and we'll go with it however. Okay. But tell me what what is your relationship with social media? I love that. No one's ever asked me that. It's about time someone asked me a different question. So thanks <laughs> for that. I appreciate that. Sure. Uh yeah, social media is an interesting it's an interesting one with me. I I'm really that type of person who I need to be in I'm not like the Oh, I need to be in nature. Like I am not a good human. I'm not a nice person. Yeah, like I'm not a nice human being to anyone if I haven't been in the woods at least once a week. Excuse me, or been in the ocean or been in the backyard grounding for hours. Uh, if I haven't moved my body consistently, I'm just not a good egg. You know, those demons come out in their own way. But I, it's it's whether I'm a little snappier or I'm not. I don't hold the door for someone or I'm not paying attention outside of myself. So social media is a bit of a struggle for me. Uh, I did have somebody doing it for a little while because I needed, I did need a hard break from it. Uh, I went through a period of time there where online was not a lovely place for me. And it just got to the point where it wasn't healthy and productive. So I knew I needed to take a step back. In saying that, I use social media as a tool. It is, I view it as a tool. It is not something You'll never see me on a social media platform just scrolling for the hell of scrolling. I have a purpose every time I open that app, whether it's a checking and analytic of a video or it's I've now found a bunch of people that I really enjoy what they're doing. And now I want them on my show. So I go into like stalker mode 3000 and I have a, a way of getting people through that platform, those platforms that I use that is really efficient and really effective. And I've garner the ability to do that over the past few years of just using it as a tool, using it for exactly what I believe it is necessary for. And so <clears throat> in saying that, I do love the creation side of it being a little more creative. I learned that I do like to be outwardly creative when I started my, my jewelry company, that really filled up a, a, a part of my cup for me. And that has started to be similar to reels. I really enjoy doing reels. They're fun for me. I like music a lot. It's a big part of my life. So when I'm able to slap things together, it's always fun. I don't really care what they're going to be because I do live somewhere where I am banned and my social media is often slapped down quite frequently. So I know none of my things are going <clears> to, <throat> you know, at this point, crack X amount of numbers. So I do it for the love of it. And it is something I feel is is fun for me and I'm showing people just my everyday life. That's the other thing. Nothing's over curated, nothing's overposed. It's literally like we'll be doing something, give me 2 seconds, snap, boom, move on. You know, it's a part of my life. Everything you see, I'm doing. I'm just I'm just doing. So I might as well take a photo or a quick 30 second video of it because I think some of the stuff I get to do is unbelievably cool. It's mind-blowing. I'm living a life that if you would have told me when I got out of the military, when I was at my lowest of low, when I was drugged out of my mind and suicidal beyond all get out, 
where I didn't know if I was going to be here from day to day. And everyone was always kind of waiting and watching that I would be sitting right here right now with a book, with a company, with a husband, with a kid, with a healthy marriage, with a healthy body, a healthy mind, a, a new perspective on the world and a new way to help others. I would have laughed in your face and said, there is not a chance on the face of this earth that you were talking about the same person. And, and that's because I just didn't see value in myself. I didn't love myself. I didn't think I was worth listening to. And you know, the feedback I get from social media is Kelsey, you talk a lot. And I'm like, I'm real sorry about that. I don't know. I come from a Hungarian mother. What do you want from me? You know, I, I talk a lot because I think I have something to say. I think it matters. I think every person should be listened to, but not every person should be taken at face value either. So I try to show up on social media the way that I live my everyday life. I don't try to pretend that things are bigger or smaller or more exciting or, you know, blah, 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 you name it. I just try to be, this is who I am in this chapter, in this evolution of my life that's going to change, that's going to evolve. Because if you don't change and evolve as you grow, what are you doing? What's it all for? So I use social media. If you look back, all the way back, back, back on Brass and Unity's page or my personal page, I mean, my God, there's some stuff where I was like, I want to pose to that. Like, <laughs> but I'm ruthlessly honest and I'm, you know, painfully open, if you will. That's why I wrote my book. That's why I do what I do. That's why I put myself out there. I put myself out there to be criticized. I put myself out there to be judged. I put myself out there more importantly because people like me showed up when I needed help. And now it's my turn to return the favor to help those people that don't have anybody else. And if it helps one person, more than worth all of the hate and struggle that social media gives me. Yeah, that's there. there's, there's pieces of social media that uh, you have to be relentless. You have mm -hmm. to be ruthless. You have to have that sense to, because uh, a big part of it is is getting into that mind space of understanding that uh, other people's opinions don't matter. Mm -hmm. You know, especially the unsolicited. Oh, those are now fun. you want to ask somebody <laughs> and say, "Hey, can you tell me what you think about this?" You know, then of course you're opening yourself up, and that's cool. That's what friends are for, and relationships, whatever. You know, but uh, the unsolicited ones, the ones that are, that are there, they just don't mean anything. Mm -hmm. I I don't think I even get through reading them anymore if they're more than a four or five words. I just it just doesn't matter. What's what? Why why are you doing that? Why are you know? It's it's most people are hurt. Most people. Okay, so I love this, right? I um. Maybe I shouldn't do this, but I do this. As somebody, if you troll me in my DMs and you tell me to swallow a bottle of pills, I'm going to show you how to correct your shit real quick. And it's real simple. <laughs> you take a few screenshots and you make a reel out of them. And then what happens is they message you after and they're like, I'm getting hit up a lot right now. And they walk themselves back. But that right there is a teaching moment. That is a moment for me to go, hey, man, I did that to get your attention, to show you that it's not okay. So I know that you're hurting and I know that you're struggling because what you just did and what you just said, I know isn't really about me. You are projecting the way you're feeling about yourself. So how I deal with that is number one, is there anything you need? Can I get you some resources? Because obviously you're feeling some type of way. Is there anything we can do to help you get into a community where you cannot feel alone? And then I go, 
if you continue this behavior, I'll keep the reel up. If you stop it, I take it down. Your choice. At the end of the day, these are teaching moments and opportunities. And I can't do it with everyone. And I, I do my best. But if there's something particularly nasty, I give it as a moment of pause. And do you know what? More often than not, they go, you know, you know what? I was really tired. I didn't sleep well that night. I took that out on you. That wasn't about you. I said, exactly. It wasn't. But your words matter. And you need to remember that. And so hopefully when you go to write something on somebody else's page another day, you'll take a moment of pause. And more often than not, they end up thanking me at the end of the conversation because they just have never been heard. Most people just want to be seen and to be heard and validated that their existence matters. That's all it comes down to. I agree with you. There's there those those are those really small people. So we we talked about on the last on the podcast I was on with you. And one of the things that you had talked about um was you were looking to kind of evolve a little bit mm. and that you're moving a little bit more toward maybe the health wellness, mm -hmm. mental health, just kind of uh, broader a little bit, as well as just that more of that than so much, you know, narrowed mm -hmm. into that where you've been, which is, I don't really know how to classify it, but. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, here's the thing. I started Brass in Unity in 2015 and I've been running in different spaces ever since then. I was in the fashion space where we were nominated for fashion awards Elle magazine, fashion magazine, we were in that space. So I did that for quite some time. And that was trying to, you know, educate civilians about mental health and what our veterans and first responders go through. And you're fighting a losing battle there at some point, because there's so much mental health, they couldn't, people couldn't, you know, respond to it. Plus, the war was still going on, and they didn't want to hear about it. Then I shifted more into the military space in about 2019, which is where I'm from. I just was trying to, my whole thing was like, let's market to a mass market and then take those funds and put them back into the veteran fund. In saying that, I stepped myself into the podcast world. It'll be three, three years next month that my show has been around. And I started interviewing what I would consider people in my community. So the veteran and first responder community. What I realized though, is eventually you're going to be, if you're doing things right, you're making enough noise, you're going to garner attention with that. I've got a seat at those tables. And that's not an ego thing. That is a, I've worked my way up. I've been on all the shows. I've sat with all the people. I do the things with the community. But I've evolved from that. Not saying that you have to evolve from anything, but in terms of where I've, I've come from, where I'm going, I've evolved from that. I've always been the person since I've been a kid that people spoke to, would tell them about their day, adults, grown adults. And I've always known that I would work in this space somehow, whether it was in mental health awareness or, or healing in general. So when I was given the opportunity to write my book, I really looked at the journey I was on and I pulled it apart and said, okay, where am I going? What is the next, what is the next point of growth for me? And that was moving into people don't like the word coaching, but if you want to call it more of a leadership space, I am a psychedelic and addiction integration coach. This is where I am. I'm trained to do. I have now leaned into that and felt comfortable and confident enough in that where I take clients, I work with groups, I work with individuals to better their lives. So it only makes sense that I'm starting to sit down with people like yourself, Scott, like Gabby Reese, like John Bernenthal, like these individuals, because they are in the wellness space. They are in the space that is sending me down the next path of my life. Brass and unity exists, but it evolves and it changes with me. We don't just keep doing the same thing over and over because we've been doing it for a decade. 
So for me, I'm starting to have different conversations. Uh, Dr. Gabrielle Lyon really starting to break down how I got through those things, the PTSD, the MDD, all of the titles, the medication, and showed people a better way of life outside of it. So that's what I meant by growth and evolution. It wasn't that I needed to, it's that I wanted to, and I know that there is a bigger space for me, and I deserve a seat at that table just as much as anybody else. PTSD always, to me, was this military thing, Mm. was this, and so I never, until I really started getting into cognitive behavioral therapy and looking at different things, and it, it just dawned on me that, you know, I just never understood trauma is trauma mm-hmm. whether you're blowing people up or getting blown up and that's you know that's i'm not minimizing that at all or, or whether you're um somebody's just beating you mm-hmm. the hell out of you every day mm-hmm. you know and raging on you there's just every it's all different but the same mm-hmm. again so i i i i wanted you to say that i just appreciate mm-hmm. the the fact because i think that you i don't like seeing by in a box and i think I know you just said you didn't feel like you were that you're growing, but I also think that, you know, that's amazing, you know, growth and, and, and moving past where you are. That's all part of your own self-care. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not, I'm not an actor. I, I, I don't turn that on and just turn into the Mr. The friendly reminder guy and, you know, have this attitude or I believe in that for people doing the best they can to, I've just described to that whole, that's you. And you, you talk about, I just think that that would even, that's just my own personal thoughts on you. And I think you, your social media could become such a huge thing for you in learning how you can use it. Yeah. I think I appreciate that a lot because lived in that headspace of, and you said this too and that's what made me smile when we talked the first time it's like you're like I don't know what it was but I just knew always I just knew always I've known since I've been little since the teacher told my mom she talks a lot but don't stop her from talking she's going to use that voice for something and it used to drive my teachers nuts and for god's sakes it drives my husband and myself nuts most days he calls me Shaniqua sometimes that's what his nickname is for me because you just Shaniqua me for like two hours and i'm like i know i'm real sorry about that but i had a lot to say and um you know whether or not what i'm saying resonates with people i think you know here's a real vulnerable moment for you you know when i was going through i had somebody running my social media we were looking at your platform and going, he's got, he's got it figured out. He's got the, he's got a method. He's got a, a way. He's got a consistency. He's got a thing. And she kept going like, well, we got to find that thing for you. And I kept going to myself like, my thing is like, I could talk for an hour. There's probably two things in there that are going to be worth saying. I struggle with pulling bits of information out because I'm a storyteller. I'm not a, you know, I'm not a, my, like, I'm not a Bedros or I'm not like a Jocko where I have like a one line or like a friendly reminder. Bop, bop, bop. I'm like, oh let me tell you an hour long story and tell me if any of that makes sense to you. Like there's no time for the way I social media. So I, I definitely, uh, that is a, if you would say a, a struggle point for me. Um, I know I have useful content and I know it's in my head in a ball like this. My strength is not pulling it down in a linear fashion. That's where I, I struggle. That's why my book is so long. That's why I, <laughs> that's why I talk so much because I have to talk it out. You know what? If I was coaching you in any way on with social media, 
because you just said it and you kind of just brought it right up front. You, you, your strength is long form. Mm-hmm. Okay. My strength is short form. I wish mine was. <laughs> but long form, I have no idea. I haven't even, I haven't even looked and see if you've got YouTube going on. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure if you, if so, if you put your, your podcast yeah, up and have, um... I, I do know you chop stuff up and put it on. And you can then bust that up in all these little bits. That's what we're trying to do. I put out 150 pieces of content a week on YouTube. It's a, it's not, it's not a small amount of content. By what are your numbers? Here's what we just started. Here's what we just changed. Right. So I, we, I live in. I do, and I know you don't like to talk about this stuff, so I'll make it as broad stroked as possible. No, I'm serious though. This is really important. I live in a place that has a bill called Bill C11 which covers the internet waves, okay? Which covers YouTube and Google and anything that you put up. I am a Canadian content creator. We are heavily shadow banned. And our ability to grow is very much dictated around this bill. When this happened, this has been something I've been talking about in Congress about why this is not okay. It is what you guys are trying to put in called the TikTok bill, okay? We already have it, it's called Bill C-11, okay? So it censors people like me who speak or against a specific topic. Let's just leave it there. My YouTube, we changed strategies three weeks ago, okay? I used to only post my full episodes and then we would put out 10 pieces of clips. We, Because of the bill, we've had to change up our algorithm and what we do to try and kick things into gear. So we changed it three weeks ago. And I book, I produce, I record, I edit, I post, I do it all. For all platforms, yeah, all YouTube, all everything that you see that's out there, I do myself. So I was only able to do 10 clips a week on each episode because of time management and recording five days a week and booking and everything else. In saying that, I started using an AI tool about three weeks ago. And I started producing 70 clips per episode and uploading 150 pieces of content a week. Once we started doing that, we've grown almost 100 extra subscribers in that three weeks, which is a huge, significant jump for us. And we're seeing- How many subscribers do you have now? We just hit 2,900, which is not much, but that's our YouTube no. right now. Let me ask you, can I ask you some questions? Yeah. This bill you're talking about and this, this you know, obviously all that stuff definitely happens. So this is where I might be weak on things, but- um is that because you're putting things out behind uh, un, in the in the Canadian? Yes, I'm behind the Iron Curtain. Okay, that's what I'm trying to understand. The, the first thing that comes to my mind, just a question: Is there not any way you can, or find, or maybe look for? Maybe it's an idea for you. Maybe you've already mm-hmm. thought of it. Can you not find somebody in the states? Yeah. So yeah, because prior to COVID, I had over 200 retailers with my company. So we grew, we were growing very fast with my jewelry company. And during COVID, we lost all of our retailer. We lost our entire brass immunity, had to restart an online company. And that's what we've been doing now for the past three years is really rebuilding an online presence and really putting effort in. Because prior to that, we didn't have email subscriber lists. We didn't have a YouTube We started the podcast during COVID. And so we started to see that growth happen. We now seem to understand the algorithm a little bit more for as right this moment. And it's making a significant difference we're seeing on YouTube. My audio downloads have always been high. So Brass and Unity's podcast, the audio, always been high. Spotify, Apple, 
numbers are amazing on there. YouTube has always been something I've been trying to grow and garner uh, more subscribers on because ultimately I have paid sponsors. I have great people that work with Brass and Unity and that have supported it for a long time. But I also know that there are a million people out there putting content, but I also know the level of my content deserves to be much higher than it is being seen right now. And that's my personal opinion. Take the ego out of it. The work I put in, the time I put in, the shows I'm on, the people I interview, the first 20 people that were on the Brass and Unity podcast were all either NFL players, Travis Pastrana, you name it, Army Rangers, Delta operators, it doesn't matter. My list is something I am incredibly proud of because I have garnered every single one of those people individually by reaching out to them and saying, hey, come on my show. And they've seen it. And every single time they go, absolutely, what do you need? So I know it's going to get there. And I'm that person who is not afraid of consistency. I'm that person who says like, yeah, I get, you know, after five episodes, five episodes, most people can't quit. And then after 20, they quit. And then after 30, they quit. Well, we're, we're about to do our 200th episode coming up. I don't plan on quitting. and I don't plan on going anywhere. Eventually, I'll break you down. That's kind of my method to my madness is you'll give in, you'll listen. Eventually, you'll get there. So I know that's a big, a big change for me. I'm interviewing a little less military as I move forward, putting a lot more wellness, a lot more tools, a lot smarter people than me on the show. And really what that came down to was knowing that I was smart enough to have those conversations, knowing where my strengths were not, but still being willing to put myself out there and sit down in front of them and go, hey, what's up? The head of the JPL of NASA. I know you built Tika and the moon and a bunch of amazing things. And I'm not smart enough to have this conversation, but let's talk about it. And knowing that it's okay to talk to people that are way smarter than you in a space that you don't fully understand. That's where the growth happens. So this show is growing. It's going to always be here. And I know eventually we're going to hit that crazy subscriber number because I have faith in me and I have faith in my guests and I have faith in this show. And so as long as I keep trying, it's going to grow. No, I, absolutely. There's no, no way it won't. Out of this, this new 150 pieces of content you're putting out every week, how many of that are shorts that you're putting on YouTube? Probably 140. A week mm -hmm. of shorts on YouTube? And we're doing them on our social platform too, on social media. That's where your growth is coming. Oh, I see it. It's 98% of my growth is coming from that rate. I pay attention to everything. It's all shorts. YouTube is my weakest piece really? because I'm not good at long form. And, but I put up shorts every day and my growth is still uh, runs, you know, a couple of hundred people a month, mm -hmm. you know, just because I do that. Yeah. And I've changed. You know, I've got podcast stuff up there now. I've got book stuff up there. It was hiking and all these other things. So, but shorts are are what you, are you're going to get that growth with. And then with what you have going, once they, those shorts start connecting, those people that are growing start connecting with this other, that's when it's just going to keep moving, mm -hmm. moving, and moving. So that's what we're seeing. So if you would, this is a question I kind of mold or ask most, most all the guests I've started to. Is can you would you give uh, the listeners a three to five things that you don't do because they are bad mm. for your mental health? Mm. Yeah, there's a couple things for sure, and they sound silly and small and insignificant, but I promise you, if you you do these things you're going to see a change in yourself and your perception of the world. So number one, I don't complain. 
complaining is something that we do uh, without even realizing we're doing it. It's a subconscious thing. It's like the the weak moments in our life where we're like, that person pulled out on me. Now I'm going to be late. Well, then you should have left a little earlier. I don't know. Think about it. So <laughs> these are moments, though, again, where you look at what you could have done differently in order to change these things, right? And complaining is one of those things that we all do because it just seems to be baked in. And it's we're so quick to complain nowadays. Everybody has something we can complain about, whether it's valid or not. I'm not saying that some of these things you're complaining about are not valid. I'm saying when you complain like that, your brain hears it. So that's a huge, huge one. So work on that. If you could work on that, I would say work on that. Uh, number two, again, sounds silly. Game changer for your body health. Stop drinking caffeine after 12 o'clock. Stop it. Stop it right now. <laughs> caffeine no. has a crazy shelf life in your body. It like half a day. Okay. So when you, we understand that when you don't sleep, everything else falls off. Most people struggle with sleep because they drink coffee or espresso at three or five o'clock in the afternoon and at night. And then they go, I didn't sleep good. I'm, I'm cutting this out. Yeah. I'm cutting mm -hmm. this part out. Yeah, most of you do. That's part of the problem. When you have caffeine like that, you're not giving your body enough time to come down and actually get into the proper states for sleep, which causes your brain to run and race. And you wake up at three in the morning and you're just kind of ready to go. Yeah, you know, I'm right. Roll your eyes. No, I, you are right. I know. You are right. So, yeah, <laughs> complaining and then no caffeine after 12 o'clock. It sounds silly. If you want something, use a ketone. I'm dead serious. Ketones, no caffeine, no sugar. Those things in the afternoon are just going to give you your brain fuel. So it'll keep the brain fog out. So that's a really big one. Um, and then I would think the last thing that I don't do, I don't drink. Uh, that's not because I have an alcohol issue. I will have a glass of wine once or twice a couple times a year if I'm celebrating something, but I don't drink. Alcohol is not only a depressant, it is something that will wreak serious havoc on your body. And people are like, yeah, but I have like a couple drinks a week. Okay, I get it. You want to wind down. Wind down with something else. Wind down with a book. Wind down with some psilocybin. Wind down with some water because you're all thirsty and most of us are chronically dehydrated. So I don't drink because it does have a significant impact on my mental health, my clarity. I have a TBI. It's not great for it. And also most of us can't drink in moderation. Let's be honest with ourselves. With the stressors of today's world, most of us cannot drink in moderation. And they go, oh, I'll just have one more. Oh, I'll just have one more. That has a long-term repercussion on your body, period. I just don't do any of those things anymore. Thank you. Thank you. You know, that was beautifully said. And um, I'm, I'm so glad that I have this... Uh, on video and sound. Look, I haven't had a drink in almost eight years now. Mm -hmm. uh, I think December 15th coming up. Not because of, uh, of look, I've, I've definitely abused things through my life. Look, I'm a kid of the seventies and I bartended <laughs> for years. Uh, one of the things you were talking about referring to is I did it to get a buzz. I did it to get high. I don't like the, the taste of any of it. I don't give a crap about IPAs or where this what came oh. from or how this tasted. I don't any of it. It was to get a buzz. And I always say the reason I love and you got me charged up about it is because the way you just said it was that's what people they need to hear it that way. 
but all of those things. And so what a great tip. What a, what a great point. 100%. The coffee thing, the Nick, I mean, the caffeine, uh, caffeine thing, I'm going to have to think about all that. I'll a send bit, you a bunch of these. They help you that. a lot with that. This is what those helps. Ketone you know what? It sounds silly, but these things do really work, especially for a caffeine replacement. They, they don't, they don't bring you up and give you jitters. It's just a ketone. What I like about them is it's giving your brain the fuel it needs. So just as much as you need glucose, you need ketones, right? A, a certain above a certain beats per minute, your heart rate, you're burning ketones. So you need to be replenishing that. And instead of reaching for sugar in the crash or more caffeine, if you take one of these, then you won't feel that need. And that's why I use them. It makes a difference for my TBI, period. And the clarity is like re memory recall. Perfect. I love those. Okay. Last question okay. is you get the last question. I get the last now, question. This question that you get to ask is to the self-care savage nation, the people that I'm putting it out there that are listening. And hopefully you're going to get some responses back. People are going to come over here. So it's something that you, I'm giving you my venue. Okay. I want you to ask uh, just a question. What is a question you would want to ask them where you could get some feedback from? Okay, in these moments, I try to think outside of myself because I don't feel like I need anything from anybody at this point. I always love constructive criticism, so I'm always open for that. Seriously, always. But my, my thing when I'm given these moments is, what would you do, seriously, if you just didn't have all of the world stressors on you? What would you become if you just showed up for yourself every single day, 1% better? than you did the day before. Could you imagine a life where you felt better, where you woke up rested, where you felt like you had energy and your cup was full? What would you do with that time? What would you create? What would that mean for those around you? So my question really is, how do you start living a life you know is worth dying for? Can you do it? It's more of a challenge. And then, and then message me, tell me, I heard that, it kicked me in the ass, or I heard that and I don't know where to start. And it's okay if you don't know where to start, you just have to start. So what would it mean if you could just get up and get started? What does that look like for you? Nice. I love that. That's perfect. Kelsey, it's just been nothing but amazing pleasure. The last, just experiencing you the last, uh, couple of times. Mm -hmm. Likewise, my friend. Yeah. So if you, if you are felt intrigued or I, I pushed a button or I did something where you were like, I kind of want to hear a little more. Or I want to know what this person's about. I would always say, go to our social media. We have the Brass Immunity account where you can learn all about what we do with our buddy check bracelets and our suicide prevention. Um, but also I have a social media. It's just Kelsey underscore Sharon. And um, down the road here, you're going to hear a little more of my name. Uh, my book that came out in July is being turned into a TV series. So you're going to hear a little bit more about the story. But if you want to go support, I do have a book. It is called Brass and Unity. It's forwarded by Neil McDonough from Band of Brothers. And uh, I've got a lot of awesome humans that back this book and support it. So go grab a copy of that. If you want signed copies, you can go to brassandunity.com. And we give you an active buddy check pack. And all that is, is you buy a pack, you call a buddy, you save a life, you have a hard conversation and you show up for one another and start holding each other accountable. So you can find us on all these platforms. You basically just Google Brass and Unity and we will pop up. 
but thank you for your time and thanks for your platform. And thank you for being willing to have a conversation with me about something other than just the three minutes when I was 19 years old. I appreciate seeing the growth and uh, I challenge your listeners, get out there, go learn, go heal, and you will grow, but you have to show up for yourself. So thank you guys so much for having me. Hell yeah. Thank you for listening, and I hope my podcast has helped you in some way taking the path to becoming a self-care savage. Make sure to subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.